Hello everyone, welcome back to Top Bins with Twins. This is Luke here, and Paul's sitting right next to me. We're yeah, gonna... I am. Yes, he is. <laughs> We're going to do a deep dive into the largest matchup in the Premier League so far in this season, which featured Manchester City and Arsenal in game week 23 for a spot to essentially be tied at the top of the league. So this is a massive, massive game that has huge implications for the rest of the Biggest season. Biggest game of the year, I'd say, so far, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess we'll just kind of do a brief overview of this match, kind of say who scored when, um, kind of go through the highlights, and then we'll kind of backtrack and hit on some points that we really thought were important throughout the course of this match. Sounds good to me, Luke. Okay, so the biggest moments of this 3-1 to one win for Manchester City over Arsenal, um, with the first one being Kevin De Bruyne scoring in the 24th minute off of a major mistake by Tommy Asu, trying to play it back without looking over his shoulder. He doesn't see Kevin De Bruyne sneaking in between his line, between him, or at him and um, Ramsdale, and... It ends up being a beautiful little chip by Kevin De Bruyne with his left. It looks, almost looks like his shin, um, but he still managed to strike it perfectly, put it in the back of the net, right over top of Ransdale from outside the box. I think Matty T stopping that one. Yeah, just, I, I don't know. I think there's just, a lot of people who don't <laughs> who don't stop that one. Eh. But next, um, drawing blood, Arsenal scores in the 42nd minute um, from a penalty drawn by Eddie Nketia. This penalty is, it's not highly, it doesn't look like after post-match in the discussion that people are really that upset about it, but I think if it ended up being a 1-1 draw, people would go back at this moment and really kind of question the decision here. I don't know. I, I fully think it was a pen. It, it does feel a bit subjective in this case. I think that I mean, if, I am an owner of Enketia, but... Yeah, so you're definitely subjective in this matter. But it my, looks like a pin, though. It really does to me. I, I, okay, I, I do honestly kind of agree with that. So, what's your point then? It, my point being, if, if he did not call a pin, I don't think you'd have a massive case to say that it was a pin. No, uh, I mean, I think Ederson made unnecessary contact with him. I mean, he ran right into him. Yeah, I mean, it, it is in on the box. Ederson. I mean, that's outside the box. It's maybe a foul, but I mean, it's it's a different ball game in the box. So we do see Ederson make some decisions every once in a while that seem a bit unnecessary, and this is one of those where he could have closed him down, stayed on his feet without jumping, and just made it really difficult on him. Which I don't think he would have finished from that angle. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at it, it's kind of one of those situations where Ederson was just trying to put his body in the way, and he just he just kind of lost ended control up, of his yeah, body. Like he just kind of. Mm-hmm. Ran right through him on accident, I mean. Right, and then following the penalty call, which, as we said, maybe deserved, maybe not. More so, yes. But upon that concluding, Sokka goes up to the penalty spot, sends Ederson the wrong way. and After Ederson was pointing that exact way and diving the wrong way. Yes, he, you know, the mind games and Sokka got the best of him. But it was, so we're going into halftime, one-to-one. Um, and overall conclusions from that first half, because the tactical battle back and forth was really interesting. I feel like you, because for one in the first half, you have Bernardo Silva playing as this inverted left back matched up with Sokka. And 
there he probably could have kept picked up a yellow card within the first 20 minutes or so but he managed to feisty little guy he managed to avoid it going through the course of the first half and then picks up one late on um but it, it was really interesting to see the manner in which arsenal was pressing city in the first half it really felt like City did not have any outlets for them to build up the pitch the way they normally do against other sides. You think that has to do with their shape, Luke? It a hundred percent does. Mm-hmm. Um, Arteta set them up in a very strategic no, manner. I'm, I'm talking about City's City shape. I think that Arteta knew what Pep was going to do, especially in the first half. And well, I mean, I, Arsenal I think... Arsenal came out with a really high intensity level where they were pressing. They were man marking exactly where they needed to be, and they did not give City that that chance to break. Right. I mean, well, if you look at it, I mean, what you're saying though is, I mean, maybe that's more due to Pep's setup. I mean, for warning for warning for listeners, I was at work today, so I didn't get to watch the full match. But I mean, if you just look at the setup of their initial lineups, I mean, City's playing a three-two-four-one. They're essentially playing with six midfielders. And they just don't have that width to deal with Arsenal's but pressure. But that's there. that's not necessarily how they played. Whenever they were playing, it, it kind of set up as more of a in possession. It was a three back, but whenever Arsenal's attacking, it's almost more of a four two three one with kind of maybe like a four two four. Um, so it it definitely did not feel how it looks set up at the moment. Yeah. Um, on kind of like the post match lineups, if you will. But it was it was interesting because you could see in the second half, whenever things kind of start to tilt and City felt like they were, you know, kind of building momentum as they typically do, it just felt like Arsenal's energy level was not where it needed to be. They were not pressing in the right manner to where they could really just influence the way City was playing, right? I, I think mm-hmm. that was the biggest thing that stood out to me is that tactically Pep did make some shifts, that allowed some more space, drop some drop some people a little bit deeper to give the, give that outlet to get through the press. But I think that Arsenal's level did drop off as well over time because it is so difficult to keep up that energy level for a full 90 minutes when you're playing a side like City. That yeah. I felt like around the 40th minute, 42nd minute, they zoomed in on Gabriel and um, Saliba a couple of times. And both of them looked like they'd just been going. Like they, they looked like they were down because they'd been man marking Holland and he yeah, just I mean, wearing not, you down. They're not used to that. They're really not. I mean, they're not. And they're playing against top level competition, playing the Premier League. And Holland is just a different, different animal. Different levels. There's Which different levels. I think we go on to see that in the second half with that, you know, possible penalty that was called offsides between Holland and Gabriel, that Holland's physicality was just too much for him. And he, he's not used to that. I mean, Gabriel, pretty much anyone in the Premier League, he's able to out-physical. And if he's not, he's quick enough to where that's not going to bother him. But Holland does a great job of combining both those two. And then we have um, Grealish scoring in the second half. Um, comes up from a nice early build-up where... Um, KDV plays the ball in and well, there's a mistake at the back first from Arsenal. Um, it felt like at this point in the match that was kind of building up to where Arsenal continually made mistakes. Um, and they just hadn't actually been, you know, been caught out for that mistake. This one finally gets them and Grealish puts the ball in the back of the net after a deflection from Tommy Asu that probably throws off Ramsdale 
um, before we can make the save. So City goes up 2-1 in the 72nd minute, and then we have the third goal from a nice little slip pass through to Kevin De Bruyne, and he plays it to Holland, who just kind of pokes it into the corner with his right foot after a really nice touch from Kevin De Bruyne. Um, and basically end up with, you know, City 3, Arsenal 1. When we go to look at the ramifications of this match, I think it kind of shows us what, who, not necessarily who both these teams are, but essentially the level of what City can be when they really want want to turn it on. If you look at Arsenal, I think this this game is kind of a result of Ever since the restart, they have not really been the same. They have a, they've had a couple matches where they looked really good, but there is a certain maybe depth or maybe just inexperience that I think is leading to this drop in 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 a large run of their games, and it's something that's worrying if you're an Arsenal fan. Arsenal fan, I don't think it's time to panic or be extremely worried about what's going on, but it's it's a little bit of a red flag. Um, and if you're a city fan, I would be excited for what's, what's to come the rest of the year. Cause I think they've been downplaying stuff. They've kind of been, maybe I wouldn't say they've been sandbagging, but it it's, it's been a drop from what we're used to with city all throughout their, their run there for really the last probably seven, eight years and watch out. They are about to rip through the league and they're probably, I'm going to make a bold statement, but I think they're probably going to win the champions league this year. I think that is definitely a realistic possibility. I see, from my opinion, I see City winning the Champions League almost more likely than the Premier League. I don't know. I I, I think that I think they're going to get both. It, I think for one, Arsenal's been going through a really tough run where, you know. This match, they lose three to one to City. The previous one, they draw one to one with Brentford. Before that, they lose one nil to Everton, and then they lose before that in the FA Cup one nil to Man City. So that's four in a row without a win, or and that's one yeah. point basically out of four matches. Mm-hmm. So I really, really kind of think that this is maybe going to be their lull. But next, they have Villa, Leicester, Everton, Bournemouth, and Fulham. They do all have a great run of fixtures. All five of those really nice fixtures where I think they can build things back up. Um, but I will say for the Villa match, I think Partey's going to be out for that from what I've seen. Yeah. So that's going to be a big mess for them. Whenever. Do you think that was a noticeable decline from Jorginho to Partey just in the midfield? I think in how dynamic they can be. That's where I miss. I think they yeah. miss Partey's athleticism. Yeah, we know Jorginho's not athletic. Right. He, Jorginho knows when to be in the right spot. And he usually ends up playing the right ball, maybe even more so than Partey, but he doesn't have that recovery ability or mm-hmm. ability to kind of pressure attackers in the way that Partey does. Yeah, just different player, different strengths, different weaknesses. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we kind of see how how well um, Arsenal's triangle of midfielders, how they work together. Mm-hmm. And um, nothing, like I said, nothing on Jorginho. I mean, he has the stuff he's really, I mean, he's awesome, world-class at the stuff he's really good at, but, I mean, he has his limitations, so that just kind of highlights how, how important Tommy, Thomas Partey is to that midfield. Agreed. Um, I think kind of piggybacking off of a point you made a little bit earlier, what this goes to show us is that Manchester City 
this city has essentially been kind of a sleeping giant to where they're kind of muddling around, getting points, but not really turning into that machine that they have been over the past three, four, five seasons. Mm -hmm. And this feels like a moment that would awaken the giant. Yeah. Especially with Holland up top. They're just so dynamic in the way they can attack teams. I really do think that what you're saying is that this is going to be a start of a run for City. But I also think Arsenal is going to go on a run. So there could, you know, whenever Arsenal and City meet again, we could easily be at the same point in the table now where they're tied on points. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, when we look back on this season, if City go on that that run we're kind of talking about, I think we'll look back at the Spurs game where they lost 1-0 on February 5th and say this this is the point. I mean, they, they beat Villa 3-1 beat Arsenal 3-1, and then, like you said, Luke, they have an incredible run of fixtures going forward. I I do see them reeling off a lot of wins, but from a FPL perspective, I would not be investing in City for a clean sheet. I oh, th- no. I think the people that are d- that decide to pull in Ederson or someone like a Kanji or, um, or Ake – you don't know if they're going to start for one. They yeah, have probably what, 25 center backs that they can throw out there that could play left black. Pep might play them as a striker at one point because he mm-hmm. feels like that's what you know he woke up and the tea leaves told him to do. But I think that they're going to go on a tear is kind of what I, what I see. Yes, you, you could never convince me that Pep does not play FPL in some capacity. Oh, he 100% does. Or he just loves to torture us because he... He's very good at it. Yeah, and I think one final point that I kind of want to make about the tactical analysis of this match, um, and you you could see this from the highlights as well, I think, that Arsenal kind of lost that ability to play out of the back effectively. There were a like lot they of... they couldn't handle City's pressure? A little bit. I think that in the beginning, City was sitting very deep whenever Arsenal mm-hmm. were possessing, and later on in the second half, City almost kind of picked up their tempo a little bit. Um, and I mean, even like in the 68th minute, Zinchenko gets caught in the back and Holland has a chance to finish, but, um, Bernardo Silva just couldn't get the ball to him in time to where mm. kind of slowly rolls to him and he just can't get a shot off. Uh, that's just one of the many instances where I think that city kind of ramped up the pressure. They essentially said, we know we've been here. We yeah. know how to handle this moment. Yeah. I will say, um, watching the highlights from an FPL perspective, Zinchenko sliding the ball across Enketia on that cross. <laughs> <laughs> that and Enketia just sending it wide literally gave me nightmares in the moment. Mm-hmm. That that would have been clutch my FPL team with both of them. I think Enketia has shown that he has the level for a Premier League team, even maybe a team like Arsenal, mm-hmm. but he does just doesn't have quite that world class level yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's he's still young, but I mean he's he's had really good flashes since the World Cup restart. But, I mean, there's there's moments where, I mean, you can just kind of see... It's unfair to really compare him to Jesus because Jesus is outstanding for Arsenal with what he actually does at the front. But he's he's been a suitable replacement. I I, th- I don't think anybody can argue that. Yeah, that's I, I agree with you on that. But as we all know, there are levels to it, unfortunately. Yes, And are. I think he's just a little below that very top world-class level. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, so I guess um, we will take a little break here and then kind of move on to our FPL perspectives for the next couple of weeks. Okay, let's do it. 
All right, it's time to dive into the world of FPL, and we'll kind of wrap up our weeks that we had and then dive into some ideas that we want to explore going into this next game week of game week 24. So this last week, I had, I'd say a decent week. I mean, I got a small green arrow. I'm sitting on 74 points. Um, had big weeks from Kevin De Bruyne with 15, Saka with 15, Holland with 20, which, I mean, of course, those are double game weeks for all three of those players. But big contributions. They, um, in our little mini league, helped me gain some some points back on the leader. Not much, but do they you, contributed. Do you hear that at the top of the league? There are footsteps. Jerry. Footsteps. They go patter, 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 patter. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That was weird, but it's fine. I liked it a little bit. Um, I Luke, well, give us a little roundup of your week, then I'll kind of dive into some thoughts going forward. So I had the best week that I've had since the um, World Cup break. Which Thankfully, I'd say was much needed, right? I, you know, was a shell of the person that I normally am over the past couple of weeks. I've just been... I can agree with that. I've been down bad. But this week, I got a big total of 82 points. Um, I had contributions from David De Gea and Goal getting 10 points. No one on my back line did anything, so Ben White, Trippy, and Botman all blinked. And then I had Sully Marsh. You are the man. Been believing in yeah. you for a while now. You're having an amazing season. Just and honestly, I just love watching him play. It's fun. And he's seems like a fun per. He's a fun person for me to cheer for. So it's it's a joy to have. He does him seem in my very like well, I will say. Um, and then I had Kevin De Bruyne, um, as my vice captain with Kulisewski blanking, keeps blanking, just very frustrating from him. Um, Saka with 15, Gibbs White with two. And then Holland is my captain with 20 and Kane with two um, blinking. So I, I had a very good week, mm-hmm. uh, much needed, and I'll be going into the next week with two free transfers. So I have lots of options, but I also, as you can imagine, based upon the team I was saying, I have a lot of issues I need to deal with. What do you think? Um, what's number one on your list right now, Luke? To what issues What issue stands out the um, most? So I have one, two, three. Four, five. I have well, I have six players that are going to be blanking in game week twenty-five. Um, so that's David De Gea, Trippier, Botman, um, Sully Marsh, Ferguson, and Dello. So all six of those that's players are blanking in game week twenty-five. So I've got basically three more free transfers to make sure that I get enough in in order to fill to full eleven for twenty-five, which. It's a double game week, so I'm really going to try to target my transfer specifically to prepare myself for 25 mm-hmm. and the long haul afterwards. So for a team like, let's say, Liverpool, I'm very interested because in their double, they play Crystal Palace and Wolves, two sides that I could see them scoring multiple goals yeah, against. very favorable matchups for them. And then they play United and Bournemouth after that, but then they're probably going to blink in 28. So I'm really trying to balance it out. I think maybe going to three Arsenal is going to be a good move for me. Um, I need to figure out how I'm going to do that. But they have they double in 25 against Leicester and Everton. And they play Bournemouth, Fulham, Crystal Palace, Leeds, Liverpool, West Ham. So they've got a very nice run. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, what what kind of problems do you have, Paul? What are you really kind of worried about at the moment? Um, I think it's kind of like you. The double game week, I just kind of wanted to capitalize on that. I have Almiron, Matoma, Trippier, 
that I'm kind of needing to move on from. And I also have Willie Natto in the front. And I kind of, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to move on from that asset. He's been decent for me. He's got me um, a big return when they played at United. That helped me a lot last week. But I, I think there's what I really want to target moving forward is I love the idea of maybe say like a discount Liverpool asset in the attack. Or I've had my eye on him for a while, but Ja Felix is looking spicy at Chelsea. He is looking good. He's and looking good. I mean, he he got his first goal contribution last weekend. And I'm just regretting that I already wasn't on the train for that because I think he's going to probably end up playing striker for them just he based will. on how, how Havertz has played. I, I think he also makes Havertz look better as well. Like there were some chances today when they were playing Dortmund that I think Havertz could have and maybe possibly should have finished. I mean, for our um, baby Eagles bias here, Cristiano Pulisic on the left or right don't even really care. With that front four of Havertz, Felix, and Mudrick on the left or right, whichever they prefer, I think that's looking. Um, I think that that's a quality attack in the Premier League. But we'll that see. Is, how they, that is looking pretty good. We'll I, see how things play out. I actually have a question for you. All right. Let's hear um, it. How do you feel about Aston Villa assets? Um, I mean, they've looked a lot better under um, Unai Emery, but. They have, and that's kind of my question to you, is they have got a pretty decent run of fixtures outside uh, at once they get through game week 24. They played City in 23, and they play Arsenal in 24. After that, they have Everton, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Leicester, Nottingham Forest. That's a pretty solid run, and they're, a good run of fixtures. they are scoring goals right now. Um, as of late, let me pull this up. Um, so the total goals that they've scored, they have scored about, looks like six goals in their last four. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, six goals. And I, I honestly, I think that they're going to continue to grow under his tutelage. I think someone like Ollie Watkins is an interesting idea. Yeah. Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise is a really kind of budget pick that might fit into your team really well if you want to bring him in for a week or two to maybe kind of get through these um, blank game weeks that are coming up. So it's something to keep an eye on. Kind of something a little outside the box that I thought might be an interesting shout. Yeah, I mean that's kind of like what we were talking about last week. If we're if you're somebody that's behind in your mini leagues and you're trying to make up a lot of ground on differentials. That, that may not be a bad idea, Luke. I've, I like the outside-the-box thinking there. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, a team that's really going to be targeted that we've kind of touched on a little bit in 25 is going to be Liverpool. Yeah, that's... Um, as somebody that um, wild-carded in Andy Robertson right after the World Cup, and I've been meaning to sell him probably since the second week of the wild-card, and I still have him. At this point, I'm kind of happy with it, you know? It's, it's worked out well for you, <laughs> inadvertently, I think. Yeah, I mean, somehow, by just um, neglecting the problem, it's worked out, which, I mean, I guess it's kind of on brand with me. But hey, um, if it works, it works. If it works, it what, works. Um, what do you think about people bringing in Salah for the double for 25? I hate it. Why is that? I, I just don't trust Mosal this year. Like, he like for, for what his price point is and the returns, that, I mean, his stats this year... Even the XG numbers don't even touch last year. And the price that you'd have to pay 
just it's it's not worth it to me. Like you can get Gakpo for a lot less, and I think I I, I like him better just based because of the price and what you get out of that, you know. But if you ask Jurgen Klopp, most loss should be the top goal scorer competing for the Golden Boot because Holland doesn't deserve his goals. Right? Oh yeah, um, I think Klopp also said that Mo Salah has ten more goals, but they cut the grass too short at every other pitch. And the yeah. ball just isn't rolling the right way. I think that's probably something he would say, right? As you all can possibly imagine, we are, you know, kind of being a bit hyperbolic here. Jurgen Klopp has not said any of these things, but, but his it's not a far stretch, though. It's not. One day he might stumble upon these takes that we have, and I don't think anyone would be too surprised. Yeah, I mean, but um, more power to you, Klopp. I mean, but when that does go happen, for it, dude. you heard it here first. Top bins with twins. Yep, if that happens and we go viral, that would honestly crazier things have happened this year. I think so. I agree. Yeah, um, but um, for other assets, I think I actually was just playing around with the team where I transfer out Trippier, which may be controversial for a Stupion, who I realize he blinks next week, but he doubles in twenty seven. But he doubles in twenty seven against so, I mean, the Leeds and Crystal Palace. I, I could make it work with my back line where I just have three and then have um, a Stupian sit on the bench next week. You so, I mean, also have to keep in mind, though, that Brighton then blinks again in 28. Yeah. They're supposed to play Manchester United, and both are still – I think that's that one is the – I don't know if that's the – I think that's the EFL Cup. Yeah, I, I, I think you're correct on that, but we'll see. It's an idea like – um. We still have till February 18th, which I think is, is that Saturday morning? Um, it is. I yeah, so we so. still have till Saturday morning. It's um, Wednesday night when we're recording this. So, I mean, there's still going to be a lot of ideas floating around, but I think that's kind of, the Stupian's the most likely one right now, but I may change my mind by Saturday morning. You, yeah, you all know how this game is played. It is. I think we've all been there before with our finger over the trigger, trying to decide what to do with 30 seconds to go. Sometimes we make the right decision. Sometimes we don't, but we live with it and we hopefully learn from it and move on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, I think we're kind of coming to a close here, but I do want to give another shout out to Sully Marsh. This man definitely kind of elevated my week and it's, it's really nice to see him be successful. I really hope that he gets a call up to the England squad. Um, I feel like with the numbers he's putting up and the way he's been performing, it would be really nice to see him get that kind of validation. Yeah, would love to see that. I mean, um, it's that's a big thing. I mean, to bring in another winger on England's team. I mean, he's been in that form where he kind of deserves it. So I'd I'd love to see it for him. I mean, that's. That's a compliment even just to be called up in any camp for England as and a winger. Think that, about awesome for him. a winger he could replace that Pep Guardiola seemingly has a beef with that maybe at this, maybe for a camp or two, just doesn't deserve to be called in. I don't know. Mm, possible. That's that's an interesting take there. It is. But um, I think going forward, guys, um, let's look out for Mudrick this week. Okay. I think I think he's going to have something going on. With them playing Southampton, let's just keep an eye out. But that's all I have to say. It would be nice to see him get his first goal and kind of get that monkey off his back, mm-hmm. um, kind of just continue to build some confidence and establish himself as a real kind of dominant Premier League player. 
because that price tag, whenever someone pays that much for an individual player, the pressure has to be just overwhelming. You kind of saw that in Jack Grealish's, you know, his celebration today after his goal. There's a lot of emotion because there's a lot of pressure put on him. Um, and the biggest I, price tag for an English player to that you, point. You honestly, I, I was happy to see him score because it, it just it has to be a lot of pressure. So I'm, I'm glad that maybe some of that is kind of dissipating now. Yeah. Jack Grealish, honestly, like the more you like get to know him through interviews and like watch him, like he's extremely likable. He's he's kind he seems kind of like a fun guy, you know. He does. He does. Um, so I think to kind of conclude some of the upcoming important dates that I want to highlight. And then Paul, you can kind of wrap after I say this in 25, we have four double game weeks confirmed for one is for Arsenal, two for Everton, three for Liverpool and four for Wolves. So all four of those teams will be doubling in 25. And then we have blanks from Brighton, Brentford, Newcastle and Manchester United. So if it, if you have any four of those assets, Definitely want to be planning for that now and make sure you can fill a full starting 11 for game week 25 with doubles as well. So there's a huge opportunity there. And also the totals might be a little bit lower because people might not be planning their transfers correctly. And then we've got game week 27 with four double game weeks. Um, Crystal Palace will be doubling against City and Brighton. Southampton against United Brentford. Brighton against Leeds and Crystal Palace. And then Brentford against Everton and Southampton. And then 28, we have a lot of blanks. And 29, a lot of possible doubles. So there's a lot of moving pieces, and we need to be conducting our transfers very strategically. Yep, keep your eyes out. I think this we're getting into heavy chip season. So everybody be um, plan out what you want to do. Be aware of what's going on. Like Luke said, all the doubles, all the blanks. Just keep an eye out. Stay on top of it. And best of luck to everybody. And we hope to see we'll see you next week. Yeah. Wish you all a great week planning ahead for the upcoming um, game weeks and we'll talk with you all soon. Thanks for listening. By the way, give us a follow on Twitter at Top Ben Twins. We have been tweeting a lot lately and we're up to two followers. We're about to go parabolic. <laughs> about to get ten followers. To the moon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye everybody. Adios.